millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The Premier League Preview Show on Talk Sport. And there's the header, it's into the back of the net. And Roberto Firmino gets his goal. Lovely and swinging corner. Here's Hazard! No need to hang on now. Edin Hazard makes it two for Chelsea. Wonderful drill finish with his left boot. Lingard's shot is blocked for the Kaku. Follows up, Manchester United 2-0 up. It's two for Lukaku, it's two for United. They've found a spark here this afternoon. Cross comes in, oh and it turned in. Great Cathcart wheels away in celebration. Watford incredibly have turned this one around. They've come back from behind and lead against Tottenham. It's the Premier League preview show for game week five of the 18-19 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up this weekend... Liverpool's winning start faces its biggest test as they travel to Wembley to take on Tottenham. West Ham remain pointless. Can they get off the mark at last at injury-ravaged Everton? And can Watford really challenge for the top four? A win over Man United on Saturday. Are the results going their way? The Hornets could go top. Right then, let's say hello to our panel for this week's show. And we start with TalkSport's football editor, the man with the voluminous hair. It is David Walker. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Good to be back. Great to have you with us as ever. Also this week, making his debut on the preview show, is the former Leeds, Coventry and Middlesbrough striker, Noel Whelan. How are you doing, Noel? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, yourself? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for making the journey down. We appreciate it. I know you watch a lot of Leeds these days. You're used mm. to seeing great football. You might be... <laughs> On this show next year, talking Premier League, Leeds United. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be fantastic if it does happen, but we've got a long, long way to go. It'd been a fantastic start. Uh, I've got to admit, it's uh, surprised a lot of people how well we have actually started and how good we actually look at the minute. But a big game against Millwall this weekend. Looking like a Premier League team, but he's not counting those chickens. I admire <laughs> that about you, Noel. Stay on that fence when you're talking Leeds for everything else. Just go for it. Uh, also with us, a man who always goes for it when he's with us here on the preview show. It's the former Leicester Watford, Southampton and West Ham striker supping his tea right now. It's David Connolly. OK, very good. You, Tom, uh, we are all doing very, very well. I'm so glad the Premier League is back, though. I did enjoy a West Ham not playing last weekend because I found I enjoyed both Saturday and Sunday <laughs> and I didn't get frustrated. No walls got punched. No cats got kicked. Uh, we'll talk West Ham a little later in the show. Let's start, though, with match one, the big match of the weekend. It's the first game of the weekend, Saturday, September 15th, 12.30 UK time. It's Tottenham up against Liverpool from Wembley Stadium. Liverpool have won their opening four games of a league season for the first time since 1990-91 under Kenny Dalglish. Uh, Weirdly for Tottenham, since the start of the 14-15 season, only Arsenal have won fewer points in Premier League matches between big 
six clubs. Uh, Noel, let's come to you first on this and talk about Harry Kane. Lots of talk about him being burned out, needing yeah. a rest. He came on for, what, half an hour or so in the Swiss friendly for England. Do you expect him to play this weekend? Is he burned out? Um, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of fatigue there, but as a football player and, and striker, he, he probably wouldn't admit that. Um, he's professional. He loves to play football. He loves to score goals. And there's absolutely no shadow of a doubt um, he'll be playing a- against Liverpool this weekend. But, sh- but should he be, though? Because I thought it was just really interesting because I couldn't work out why he was there. Obviously, I've made my feelings very clear about friendlies mm. during the, the course of this programme. But, David, what do you think about this? That, that Harry Kane shouldn't have been even in the squad for the Swiss game, could have been on the beach for a few days, and that might have aided his performance for Tottenham in the next three weeks, and then maybe the next set of England games. Well, I mean, if I, if I look at why Jamie Vardy possibly has made himself unavailable, it's because Harry Kane is going to play every game. Now, in that second game against Switzerland... You know, there was no reason for Kane to play. Obviously, he's he's, he's had so much football mm. over the summer. The World Cup, you know, and Tottenham had so many players there, obviously. That's an opportunity to play someone else. And you can see why Jamie Vardy maybe thought, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time. I'll go to Disneyland instead. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> but, Spending but, all the money you've got. Exactly. But, There's Disney dollars. Yeah. <laughs> It's like 20 Disney dollars for a corn dog. It's a lot of money. It's very enjoyable, but it's not an every international break. I thing. think Harry can afford it, though. <laughs> Golden Boot winners can afford corn dogs. We've I'm sure, that hey, here. I'm sure he'd like to go there, you know, but he just doesn't get the time. Whereas I, I, just, I just wonder, you know, I think he, he is slightly burnt out. I don't think you do have a, a lot of break in uh, when you're top player. When you're do you top think player, Gareth wanted him there because he's the, the captain of England and to be in around that setup? I do, but I just I just think that was to the detriment of others. And I, I can see now why, and I, I've said this numerous times when I've been on TalkSport, to me that is why Jamie Vardy has called it a day. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. when you're part of a, of, a, of a team, it's a bit like Tottenham, they don't really sign many players because they've got Harry Kane. They haven't signed anyone since 2003. Obviously, they've got Mara who was there last season anyway from January. But that's why they're not bringing in a striker because, well, we've got Harry. So he's seen off everyone at Tottenham. He's seen off everyone for England. Uh, I just don't know if it's for you know to the detriment of both. We'll have to wait and see. You'll be looking at this game, though, and you'll be thinking back to a year ago when Spurs beat Liverpool 4-1 at Wembley. And it was, it was, a, it was quite a notable game. Dejan Lovren had a terrible afternoon. He got done by a couple of long Is balls. Is that notable? Long ball over the top. But now, a year later... It seems the tables have turned. Liverpool have sorted out their issues at the back and it could be Liverpool who could stamp a really authoritative victory over Spurs. Yeah, I think if you're looking at teams and, and the way they're starting, they've got that momentum now and that confidence. You know, Liverpool are just thriving uh, and oozing confidence at the moment, the way they're playing. And I think that's been their problem. They've never really recovered. They've never replaced the two centre-halves with good centre-halves. Mm. You know, now you've got Van Dijk, you've got Gomez that's young, Robertson, is fantastic. He's a box-to-box, uh, you know, fullback, mm. and on uh, James Milner on the opposite side. I mean, experience there, and it's solid. Um, it's going to be really intriguing how they get through uh, that defence because Dyke now solid at the back, but also a threat on the other end as well when it mm. comes to set-piece corners. I just wonder how they're going to play Tottenham because Pochettino was rigidly sticking when he came in at Southampton to four-two-three-one. That was his go-to formation, and he obviously brought that in at Tottenham. Now he has evolved slightly and he's played three at the back obviously he's then played a diamond against Man United. Is it evolving or is that a lack of not knowing his best team? No I think that's definite I think that's evolution because he realises now with Maurer for example they might have a bit more pace at the top of the pitch to get in behind and they can trouble teams so what will he do? I, th- I think he might put Aurea as left wing back to combat Salah he's done that before previously I think he's got within his squad enough 
Although I, I just feel that, you know, maybe Harry Kane might have needed a rest. But I think with Maurer up there, they've got enough pace now to get in behind and hurt teams. Whereas with Harry, I think they could obviously, you know, play a little bit further up the pitch and try and keep him out. As good as he is, yeah. just try and keep him away. Now I feel he's got a, b- a little bit of flexibility. And it worked really well against United. They forced United to go long. They picked up all the second balls. They conceded the flanks. And they said, go on then, you, you attack us out wide. And I think they might try and do that again against Liverpool. I wonder if Harry Winks might get in this team as well. Lots of talk about him maybe coming in to replace Moussa Dembele, who's looked a little bit leggy in the last few games. And speaking of leggy, let's talk about Tottenham's last game against Watford. Uh, Liverpool play a very high-intensity game. Watford did that at Vicarage Road. And they just couldn't deal with the pace and intensity of what Watford offered, certainly, I think, in the spell where they scored the goals. And and I wonder whether that's to do with the midfield, the Dembele problem, bringing Harry Winks in, getting another body in there, not knowing the way you're meant to be playing, the three centre-halves push, the two centre-halves stay narrow and the full-backs come in. They look a little confused to me, Tottenham, in that well, game. They have chopped and changed a little bit at the back. That He's played four at the back. In some games, he's played a three with two wing-backs in, in other games. And, and actually, it was more of... Spurs invited Watford onto them into, into that second half because the first half, Watford, I, I was there at the game and I felt that Watford actually were playing within themselves and they were a bit perhaps nervous because they were the first big team that Watford were coming up against that scene and Spurs, they just they just didn't do what they normally do. They, they weren't really at the races, they were lethargic, they didn't take advantage of the possession they had, they didn't really create any chances and then Watford were sort of like, actually lads, we can go at them here and they just come off the back of beating Manchester United 3-0 at Old Trafford and then they go out and put that performance against Watford and Pochettino was very angry at the end of that game so I'd be very, very interested to see what sort of Spurs turn up because they need a reaction. Yeah, they do and I think, you know, like you said, Pochettino would be looking for back-to-back victories. You would have thought that that uh, win against Man United. Mm. Uh, and they were fantastic ca- as well. Absolutely. you know. And then you're looking to re- recreate that against the Watford side. You take a 1-0 lead um, and then you think, right, let's go on from here. But their intensity dropped. Their quality dropped. Is that down to the, the amount of players that have been at the World Cup as well? And now we, we go back to that jaded and a bit too much football. That could be a possibility still as well in those later stages of the football matches. That was, though, the first time I think in 48 games they've taken the lead and lost. So that, I think that's very unlike Pochettino. Yeah. He, he's not someone who will just allow that to happen again. I think they'll be better. Son is back, obviously. You know, he doesn't have to do his military service. So that's a, <laughs> that's a bonus for them. Um, um, you know, so I, I think they've got enough here, Spurs. I think it'll be a really good game. But um, I just got the feeling Pochettino's got the upper hand tactically here. I think Liverpool are interesting as well because they've been trying to settle on a midfield three. The front three is, is obviously what it is. Uh, and people like Shakiri playing a few minutes, Lalana getting a few minutes maybe, but the three is the three. But I wonder whether we'll see James uh, Jordan Henderson come in for, for maybe Milner, maybe Vinaldum, who's played surprisingly the centre of those three positions. Naby Keita has been subbed a fair amount, struggled a little bit. Do you think we'll see any change to that midfield three? That the front and back seems as it is, no, right? Yeah, I think they'll probably try and make it a little bit more solid in, in that midfield area, um, you know, to combat the, the threat uh, away from home against Tottenham. Uh, like you say, they're going to be looking for a reaction uh, from the loss to Watford. Uh, disappointing. They're at home uh, playing against top of the league now, Liverpool. So I think Liverpool will go there. Yes, they've got the power and the strength and the pace to hurt them in that final third. But I think they'll want to protect the back four as well, knowing that that you know Tottenham have still. So you think they'll change their style? I think they'll. Yeah, I think they'll they'll play two holding midfield players in there. Uh, I really do. I think they'll be a little bit cautious about it, knowing the fact that they've got so much energy and creativity in that final third. 
Mm. Uh, what a big game this is. I just hope that when we've got this big game, first real big game of the season for these two, I, I just really want to see them actually attack the game. How many times do we build up to these big <laughs> games and we get six at the back, six at the back? We're not going to get that from this, are we? There's been a lot of goals in the, in, the, in these games between these two teams over the last few seasons. So I wouldn't expect it to be at that tight an encounter. No, and I think this is a run of games for Liverpool. I think it's seven in 20-odd days. And that's why he's got this squad. That's why he said, I've got this squad because of this run of games. Now, if you're going to rotate you know, your club captain in, you, you're going to change players as he is, give different game time to certain players, well, that's the reason why. You know, So they can compete at this level, play at the top of the Premier League, compete in the Champions Leagues, and that's the reason why. Now, you know, I'm not totally convinced in terms of how they play out from the back. I thought they were awful against Leicester, and I, I just wonder if they do that against Tottenham, I think they might be punished. I'm loving seeing at the moment the attacking players responding to what goalkeepers are doing. So goalkeepers are bringing it up in the back. I can do a Cruyff turn. Don't worry about me, mate. And they're going, right, well, we'll go from both angles then. We know you're going to pass in the middle. We'll press in. We'll take it. Leicester did that great. I think Tottenham will do it great this weekend. And just really briefly, got to ask you this question before we run out of time on goalkeepers. Not on Alisson. Uh, Hugo Lloris, um, uh, charged with, with drink driving yep. this week. Accepted that charge. Uh, fined by the club. Uh, of course, we've got a fine for the magistrate's court as well. Remains club captain. That seems like Tottenham have left a... There's a big open door there to send a message about drink driving. They've decided to go, oh, no, it's fine, let him play. Well, there is. I mean, I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day about, you know, these players that are on that much money. Why not get a driver? You know, why not get a taxi? Why be selfish uh, and just stupidity and put yourself and other people's lives at risk? I've done it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm barking the wrong tree here, to, you know, but I've had the experience. Sure. I was stupid enough to go and do that, but I don't understand now in the modern day why you would not... And the amount of money they get paid, mm. have a driver to drive you places, drive you back. If you are going to have a couple of drinks, don't put your you know your career at risk in other people. I mean, it's just stupidity, but the captaincy should have been taken away straight away. Uh, <laughs> I think Tottenham handled it quite badly, but he is playing, he is captain, uh, and uh, big game for him this weekend. Right, we're going to move on in the next section of the programme and talk about West Ham. Go to Everton this weekend, the only team in the 92-team pyramid yet to have a point. I wonder how many weeks I'm going to be saying that. Bonatini has Adama Traore on the overlap. He's in the area. Traore! Right at the death! Makes it 1-0 to Wolves! Oh, dear West Ham! Dear, oh dear! A mistake in midfield by Sanchez! Right, let's talk about West Ham United. Bottom of the table after four weeks of the season. They go to Everton this weekend. Uh, the Toffees have won more Premier League matches and scored more goals against the Hammers than any other team in the competition. West Ham losing their first four games in a season for only the second time. Of course, they did it under Avram Grant in 2010 and they were relegated back then. Um, let's start with Everton because they've had a half-decent start to this season, but at home they've had some relatively easy fixtures, including Huddersfield last time out, where they failed to win. And I was going through the list of players that they are not going to have this weekend. Uh, Richarlison suspended for his silly headbutt against Bournemouth. Uh, there's going to be potentially no Calvert-Lewin, no Coleman. Theo Walcott is a major doubt. No Jagielka. Bernard, who hasn't made his debut yet, is, is still listed as a doubt. No Michael Keane, of course, with a fractured skull. Adrissa Garner, no Gomez, no Mina. I mean, no, no James McCarthy as well. I mean, no, let, let's come to you first on this before we talk West Ham. For Everton, uh, that is a huge injury crisis to have the fifth week of the season. Are they going to be able to get a full 11 out? And are they going to have to change the way they play? Because the first 11 isn't there. No, I mean, they're, they're crippled by injuries. Um, going through a really horrible period where, you know, the players that they brought in that the fans still haven't seen yet, uh, that you would expect to be fit for the start of the season to, you know, catapult you further up that, that Premier League table. Um 
I've just not I'm not there. You know, they're resorting back to players ahead of last season. Probably the younger players as well uh, would need to come in. Um, and they're going to be coming up against, you know, an animal that's quite hurt at the moment because West Ham has spent a lot of money uh, on players and everyone was quite excited. I was excited about West Ham beginning mm. this season thinking, wow, do you know what? They're really going for this. You know, they could finish somewhere close to that top six and break into Europe with the players that they bought because the fans were, were not happy before at the end of last season. They were looking for a response from, from the club, from the owners, and they got it with a lot of money. But Everton, they've spent a lot of money as well, but it's two sides. They're crippled with injuries. West Ham just haven't got going yet with their players. Crippled with fear, maybe. Um, what do you make of West Ham, Dave? Of course, you play for the club uh, and you follow them a lot because against Wolves last time out, it was a, it was a poor game of football and probably should have finished 0-0. Uh, but the amazing thing to me is that there seemed to be no pressure going forward. There was no pressure defensively. And every time Wolves got the ball, they were able to get maybe 30 yards up the pitch without tackle. What are West Ham doing so wrong and how do they correct it this weekend? Well, you know, if you go back to to the summer, I think, in terms of what was spent and even the managerial appointment, it's very easy just to go, well, here's a manager who's, for example, he's won the Premier League. He's, you know, he's a... He's a marquee signing to manage his football club, and we're going to give him 100 million, and everything will be solved. And still, defensively, they shipped what 60 odd, 70, 67 goals. I think it was last season. You know, and nothing's really altered at the back. You ask, you know, no or anyone who's been part of a successful side, it all starts at the back. You've got to be really hard to beat, and con- and obviously don't concede a goal. And then at the other end, at the top end of the pitch, I feel they do have some players to hurt the opposition, and they've retained them like on out of it. I know Hernandez is benched for example, but I just feel at the back they're still they're almost a bit like Everton who had 9 or 10 center half pairings last year and they're back again to right Kings out now Zoom is you know with Holgate. It's almost like West Ham don't really have that that center back solidity in terms of their back four, whether Cresswell plays, you know, uh, 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 Masuaka, him, they don't really know what's happening on the right-hand side. They had issues last season playing a back three, a back four, Antonio. It just seems like they, to me, everything starts at the back. You've got to be really, and then you go and try and nick a goal. And at the minute, it's just conceding goals for fun. And that, to me, should have been the first thing they sorted, rather than going, right, let's get Philippe Anderson, another number 10. You know, because they've, they've they've got a plethora of them. Let's get him in. Uh, let's get Yarmolenko. And to be honest, I think they might have had players in those positions. But it's really at the other end of the pitch. I would have been looking to solve the problem. Did you think then, if if they're a little bit vulnerable at the back, that need a little bit more protection from the striker defending higher from the front and the midfield players just protecting that back four a little bit if they are weak in that area? Well, I just wonder. Look, they got rid of Kiarte, who arguably had a little bit of pace and could kind of get around the pitch. But Mark Noble's not getting any younger, and I just don't see that. As well as that back, they don't. You know that sort of area, that box around the two centre halves needs mm. to be so solid, and I just don't see it with them. Well, they you, don't have enough athleticism. They didn't have it last season. I don't think they've added that. We've had this same conversation every week so far, haven't so we? Many every, times. Yeah. every single person that's come on this show has said Mark Noble hasn't got the legs to play in midfield for West Ham, especially if Jack Wilshere's alongside him as well, who we, we know has had his issues with with injuries and with fitness. How does it change? What are they going to do? Well, the amazing thing is Mark Noble wasn't playing in the last game. Carlos Sanchez was playing and he's so fat when he gets subbed, his belly's off the field five minutes before his face. <laughs> like, we can't have Carlos Sanchez in midfield. But they looked around all summer trying to find someone to give their energy. I look around the Premier League and I see, obviously, Kante, but Wilfred Ndidi, mm. uh, Jean-Michel Serri. Uh, I think about Abdoulaye Decore. I see them everywhere. These pacey, athletic powerful midfielders and we had one in Kiate. maybe he wasn't good enough but they sold him and were like 
what about Carlos Sanchez? Put down the fork, you can play for us. Exactly, and that's where it goes back to, to me, the philosophy of the football club. So mm. if you've got a manager who says, look, and uh, I played for one, if you're more than 10% body fat, you're not in the team. Yeah. Right. Now, he's 30% no, gravy. No, yeah, no, no I would have played with Gordon Strachan, who would have been exactly the same. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I'm sure he's got stories on that. You go back to the philosophy of the football club, well, for example, Tottenham, you know, Pochettino, is, everyone's got to be a lean, mean fighting machine, and uh, he, he won't deviate from that. And it seems West Ham just don't really have a way of doing this. They don't have a, a, a style like, right, he's for me, he's going to play this way, we're going to be a high-tempo team, we're going to be hard to beat, blah, blah, blah. We're going to, you know, why can't they emulate Burnley? Mm. But Burnley will sign a player from the Championship and like, would and make him work, whereas West Ham yeah. will sign Hugo and it, it, it won't be uh, good enough. Well, they you signed know. Fredericks and Zabaleta came back in a week later. Yeah. Um, a bit of a mess at West Ham. Uh, if they get a sweet, sweet point this weekend, it'll be partying on the street to the Westfield Shopping <laughs> Centre, I tell you. Uh, but it's going to be tough, no doubt about it. I'd go there like Huddersfield did, try and score a goal, play for a point, get off the mark. It's Chelsea and United uh, up next for West Ham. Uh, let's move on uh, to talk about Newcastle against Arsenal. It is three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Newcastle, I think, are really interesting because I was covering the Man City game where they went ultra-defensive. Of course, the game before that, Chelsea, they went ultra-defensive. But what I think interests me here is that Arsenal are the rung below those two teams. There are a few rungs below City and I don't think they'll get anywhere near Chelsea this year. I'd be looking at Arsenal and we talked about Everton a minute ago. That's what I'd be looking at if I was Everton. I'd be scratching at what Arsenal can do because they looked inconsistent, a bit fragile. Are Newcastle going to go ultra-defensive against the worst team of the six like they did against the other two they played? I would be very surprised if they did. I think they've done the homework. I think we've all seen the, the mistakes that's been happening at the back with uh, Petacek, the way they've been trying to play out from the back. It doesn't look quick enough. It looks vulnerable. And I think Newcastle uh, will, will take up on that and they will press nice and high. They will look for that mistake. They will get nice and close to the midfield players if any ball goes in there. I think John Joe Shelby may be back. He's a massive plus for Newcastle. He does make them tick. He's got the range of passing. He can open up doors um, you know, against opposition. But they will be pressing high. There's absolutely no shadow of a doubt. If I was a manager, I'd be press absolutely everything that comes from Pedacek. And even when that ball goes back to Pedacek, press it even harder because we've seen what's happened to Pedacek lately. He's not comfortable with the ball at his feet at all. I think Rafa is is one of the great tacticians in football. I really do. Mm. And he's uh, gone, the to me, the root of how am I going to keep this team in the league? Right, he's looked at basically. There's, he he did that miracle last season, and he's up against it again this season. How am I going to do that? Well, you know, he he conceded possession, so he got what nineteen percent against Chelsea, similar against City. He's so that's the way he's gone. He realizes yeah. this is the only way I'm going to keep this team in the league. I think he's been absolutely sold down the river by the owner. Mm-hmm. You see pictures of the stadium; it's falling apart. It looks disgusting. There's there's you know the, the walls are coming down and it's actually it feels like the walls are coming down on, on him at Newcastle I think he's done amazing but how are they going to get a result how are they going to score goals well you've already said they need John Joe Shelby yep. they need for example Kennedy fit they need their centre-half fit Lejeune looks like he's out they need Lascelles Clark they need Richie you know he needs everyone pulling in the right direction look there's lads scrapping in training which sometimes is not a bad thing because you think well there might be some desire there but yeah. he's, he's been actually left with, with you know he's, he hasn't even got a box he's you know, fighting in chance here mm. and I think that's all down to yeah, but he's such a tactician I'm such a fan of his that he <laughs> thinks this is the only I'm not saying he plays amazing football no. but he's looked at it and gone this is the way to keep these this side up well, it is. I think you're absolutely right. When you're playing against these certain teams with the, with the quality that they have uh, at their disposal, whether that be the first team or second team, you know, Manchester City, um, 
you know, you've, you've got to make sure that you short up at the back. You know, playing that five, have that four in front with the with the one attacker. But like you just said, I mean, Mike's been looking to sell this football club for over two years now. Mm. He's not putting any money in. What are you supposed to do when you look around the Premier League and you see every single team, even the promoted ones from the Championship, spending close to fifty million? Mm. Hundred, if not more. If not yeah. more, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what chance has he actually got? I mean, like you said, I'm a massive fan. He's probably one of the best managers in this league, and given a better team. He would probably be doing really well, but he's done miracles here at Newcastle. Absolutely. And look, they love him. In Rafa, we trust. He's got those fans on side. I think they just need a different He's fighting the world. Yeah. (laughs) I think to give Newcastle fans a bit of hope, if you look at the last time out, Cardiff actually did trouble Arsenal. And Newcastle, in my mind, a kind of superior version of Cardiff. Yeah. You know, they're no superstars, but they're solid. They've got a better tactician, as you said, Dave, as a manager. They've got better players in key areas. Arsenal are there to be got at, I think. Uh, and they have been got out a fair amount this season. I saw a great stat about them, though. Uh, we've talked a lot about Emery trying to change the way they play. Only Spurs have covered more distance in the first four Premier League games than Arsenal. They've covered collectively 455.2 uh, right. kilometres. Um, I was reading a few blogs uh, earlier on from Arsenal, because there's so many of them, they're great fun. Uh, and there's a few people suggesting the issue is defensive. Why not try three at the back? Something which Wenger did a bit towards the back end of last season. Um, because Mustafi and Socrates together, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Yeah. Koscielny's not, not fit enough yet. They've got uh, Morvara Panos, who could maybe play. They've got Monreal, who could fit in there. They've got Lichstein, who could maybe play the third centre-half. Uh, and also, we've got to see Torreira start. I feel like I'm saying this every week. Why is he not starting games in the centre of that midfield? It's bizarre. Well, I think that's why they bought him, wasn't it? You know, because they needed that defensive cover in that midfield area, he was the perfect fit. Mm. Uh, now, whether he's going to be fit enough to play, because I think he picked up an injury in midweek in international for Uruguay against Mexico, uh, that will be remain to be seen. But, yeah, he's the one that protects that, that those centre-halves, and we've not seen him there at all. I mean, I was quite excited when he signed, and I was watching him in the World Cup thinking, actually, do you know what? This he could be the difference. He could be that little piece of the jigsaw that Arsenal have been missing. And covering more ground, is that because they've not got better football players now at the minute? Because they used to make the ball do the work, Arsenal. Mm. And if you do play three at the back for Arsenal, it does allow you to have Lacazette and Aubameyang on the pitch together. And whenever they've been on the pitch together this season, they've looked really good. Absolutely. And with Ozil and Ramsey sort of close behind support, they look look like they're going to score goals and be a threat going forward. I just worry that those spaces they leave at the back, you know, they, they, they just can see too many goals for me to be considered, you know, a real threat. And I don't think, we probably do consider them a real threat, do we, for the league? You know, but in terms of even even against Newcastle, you think, well, I can see them conceding. Yeah. I wonder if this is finally the week that Petacek scores an own goal. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. If, if that's uh, that's got to be a bet somewhere for somebody, uh, because it's going to happen. Someone, a goalkeeper in the Premier League, is going to score an own goal this season, trying to pass it square from their own goal line. I know it. And I just feel this could be the weekend, guys. Get some odds. Uh, all right, that's Newcastle. It's not three o'clock on Saturday. Moving on to Watford up next, who could go top this weekend if results go their way. And they win against Manchester United. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. In this moment, we we feel strong playing in Vicarage Road and, and we know it will be a... It will be a very demanding game because we we will play against United. But in this moment, we we believe in our possibilities and we try to to get another good result for us. The words there of Javi Gracia speaking with the preview show this week. The manager of Watford and what a start for Watford it has been. And what a time under Javi Gracia it's been. Since his first home game in charge in February, Watford have won more Premier League points in home fixtures than any other team. 23 points, uh, 7 wins, 2 draws in that time. Uh, David Collins, let's come to you first on this, a former Watford striker, of course. The, the fitness has been spoken about a lot uh, during the last few weeks. Troy Deeney talking about cutting out alcohol and also the sugar and all this sort of stuff. The players look sharper. The intensity of performance is so, so high. Um, how has he managed to do that? What is it about the fitness training that's got these guys sharper? What has he done apart from, you know, stop drinking Carlsberg? What else is there? It's got to just be that. But if, you, if you're talking about Troy Deeney, for example, that's him as an individual sure. realising that, you know, I need to do better. He's a pro. That's how pros should be living. But in terms of how um, Watford are playing, I just really like how he's got them set up. He, he's, he's got them set up in a traditional sort of four. I know they flirted with a with a back three at times, a Britos, for example, in there. He's got his two full-backs bombing on who suddenly look really threatening, don't they? Getting balls in the box, Holly Bass and Jan Matt. He's got two really good midfield players in and around, Hughes and Pereira. And then he's got uh, Dukure and Kapuwe. You were, yeah, really. Hey, Dakure is a top, top player. Mm-hmm. I think they've done well to keep him. And the front two, a real handful. I'm sure Burnley were thinking, you know, why don't we keep Gray? And finally, he looks happy. They both look happy because they're in the team. And it's nice to see a team playing a front two. Mm. You know, really yeah. nice. And you can see why. If you've got two powerhouses that will frighten defences, why keep one of them on the bench? I don't get it. And I, I still feel they've got enough support, you yeah. know, behind the ball. Uh, and with those talented players, Hughes and Pereira, that, that they can hurt teams with that front two. Yeah, they've got they've got loads of legs in that side, and uh, their intensity and, and the confidence, the way they're playing at the moment, it's refreshing to see. Um, but I do like. I'll go back to the front two. It's like your old fashioned big, small centre forward, isn't it? You've got Troy Deeney, which no defender would want to play against. He's winning every ball. He's holding balls up, bringing the midfield players and wide men into in, into the game. Um, you know, and he's always there for the flick. I mean, they're so good to watch at the minute and so effective um, that I wouldn't put it past them this weekend to, uh, you know, actually the way the Man United are playing as well. They're lacking in a, in a, in a bit of something um, at that football club. I'm not sure what it is, what's been going on uh, on the training ground there. But this is the perfect time to play Man United. 
and they don't go into this game, Man United, quite as bad shape as they were ahead of the Burnley game when they came off the back of the defeat against Tottenham and the knives were out for Mourinho from, from the press and indeed from some of the United fans. They, they sort of calmed the waters a bit, didn't they, with that result against Burnley? But it's still not completely all happy at United. And, and, I, and I see the challenge for Watford is very similar this time out to the challenge against Spurs. Mm. They've got to get in their faces. Yeah. The, Man, the Man United defence you know, is arguably worse than the Spurs defence and they really bullied th- those Tottenham defenders. So if they can get whoever plays at the back for Manchester United, they're not going to have Shaw. He had that bad injury against Spain. We don't know who's going to play at centre-back. But if Watford get into those defenders and they bully them, it could have a similar result. I agree, and it seems like he's got a happy camp at Watford in a little bit of contrast to, to Man United. Mm. So Deeney saying he was trying to be sold behind his back, you know, etc. Now it looks like he's got a real happy camp there. Uh, Man United looked like a bit of polar opposite. And actually, the way they played against Spurs, they were so direct. And the problem with playing direct is randomness. So they're just hoping on picking up second balls and, you know, you know playing from there, which really is not the United kind of way. So no. I can easily see Watford getting something out of this game because United don't, to me, have a real structure in, in terms of how they're going to do things. If they get pressed, they kick it long and they hope to pick up the second balls, which I think would suit Watford. Yeah, I think Watford actually have a game plan at the minute. I think Man United are still trying to figure out what, what it is and what, what's their best formation, what's their best team. They've got no idea. They look vulnerable from set pieces, whereas Watford look very dangerous from set pieces. It looks like they've got a, a nice uh, balance there uh, at the football club. And I think as well, when you do have a front two, it takes out a lot of indecision. The ball goes wide, you know I've got two in the box, it's coming in. A lot of times I looked at Watford last season and they took one too many passes because they had an extra player in midfield and Deeney was had his hands in the air, going, oh, give me the ball. And I think you know now they've got that two up there, yeah. it just invites that quicker play forward and I, I think it really suits them. One final quick one on Manchester United. You, you mentioned Luke Shaw being missing in the defensive issues they've got. I think the big issue for United is Fellaini. Fellaini's a doubt for this game and I think Man United grudgingly over the time he's been there they have to keep accepting they look a better team when Fellaini is there. He looks better sitting in front of the back four. He yeah. does provide that option to knock the ball down to, to Romelu Lukaku. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting there you mentioned about it's not the way Man United do things. It's the way Mourinho does things and now his back is against the wall. I don't think he's going to give uh, a single second for what Man United do. He'll go back to, I know how to win games, and we're going to start seeing some bludgeoningly bad Man United wins, and, and it might start this weekend. Yeah, I, I think he, he possibly could do, just because of the size of Watford as well, uh, and what they have in their side in terms of you know height in, in, in the penalty area when it comes to set pieces and, and corners. He is very dangerous. You know, He's effective where it comes to defending and attacking. Um, but you've got Romelu Lukaku as well, who... You know, was looking a little bit iffy before the the Burnley game. He's been away of international duty. Mm. Got two goals the other night. He looks like he's got that spring in his feet again, and he's 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 in a happy place. And once you get strikers in that happy place and full of confidence, they're very very dangerous. I think you also just a quick mention for Antonio Valencia. It's his tenth season at Man United. He mm. came to Wigan when I was there. Very quiet boy. Couldn't speak English, and you thought, but he had real ability. Did I ever see him playing for Man United? Maybe not, but. Ten seasons there. Club captain. I mean, fantastic achievement. Yeah. Big job for him this weekend as well because he'll be on one side, I suppose, Ashley Young will be on the other. The veteran fullback strike again. Scored twice last season at Vicarage Road, Ashley Young. Oh, those free kicks, yeah. of course. Fantastic. Will he get a nice reception, Dave? Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, good. Yeah, sure, yeah. That's nice. Nice club. Good old Watford. Uh, right, let's move on to Man City up against Fulham. Three o'clock on Saturday. That's UK time. Uh, City have lost just two of their 40 Premier League games at the Etihad under Pep Guardiola. Uh, that was Chelsea and United in 16 and 18, respectively. Uh, and I was interested to read some quotes from Sergio Aguero this week, who, who for me is always just such a phenomenal talent. Uh, and he was saying, and of course the translator, he doesn't speak much English, but he was basically saying he feels sharper, he feels more comfortable, and he feels he is the fittest and best he has ever been. Have we seen that at the start of this season? Absolutely, and I think you know when you've been a player and you've had a niggling injury, he's got he's had a knee problem which has caused him a bit of discomfort. I think for a few seasons, finally he's had it tidied up, and you can tell he's moving a little bit better. Um, if you watch him play, I was at the Wolves Man City game, and because they're so comfortable in possession, City he often just stands offside. He's on. He's half the time he's ten, fifteen yards behind the back line, and he just knows that eventually it's going to come to someone either running in behind on one flank or getting through, and he's then onside for a little cutback. And he doesn't actually do that much running because they've got the ball so often. So it suits him that actually when he does get it, he just comes alive. He's electric, and um, you know he's he's to me he's he's arguably one of the greatest Premier League strikers. Yeah, I mean I, I love watching him. I mean I wish I could score the goals that he's he scores. I mean. It, all kinds of variations. He's just one of those top-class players that you, any manager would want in the side. You know, there's always a chance of, of him getting a goal. Um, he's always going to be up there fighting for top goal scorer. Um, but Man City, I mean, they they just look awesome at the minute. I mean, I think Dion Dublin put something on uh, Twitter the other day about the two sides that Man City could actually play. And yeah. when you look at their squad... It's absolutely... They could actually play both those teams well, and really probably finish one actually, and second. Because you mentioned the games coming up, Champions League coming up, a, a run of games. Yeah. Are we going to see Fabian Dell for the first time this season? Will we see a few changes? Well, Leroy Sane yeah. Yeah. as well, for example. I mean, what was he, PFA Young Player of the Year? And he's not really been... He wasn't in the last squad. But right, this, is a, this is a, t- a good a game between two similar styles. So yeah. at the minute... Man City have fallen off the top passers of the league. It's Chelsea. You've got 250 more. But in fourth place is Fulham. So this is a real coming together of two similar styles and philosophies. And I think this will be a really, really good game. I imagine City will have the upper hand, but I think it'd be a great advert for the Premier League. We saw Man City take on Wolves a few weeks ago. No, that was at Molyneux, a slightly different aspect of the game. But they got one all draw yeah. and, and Wolves played good football. Didn't make it easy for Man City. They went at them. They didn't just look to defend. Fulham, you'd expect, would take a similar approach here. But where an area of the pitch where I think Fulham are better than Wolves is up front. They've got Mitrovic, a striker who's banging form and confident. Mm. Yeah, uh, scoring another couple of goals the night isn't it it seems like at the minute coming up to this Saturday most of the the, the strikers the football clubs have scored goals so they're in good places um, I just feel worried for Fulham if they go there and try and match them with trying to play football um, they, they could be on the end of a, of a bit of a hide and that's the problem because as much as they're doing quite well as much as they like to play that kind of style of football and I thought they were excellent last year in the championship if you're going to fight like that against someone that's far far superior mm. they'll just jab you to death they really will, and they'll hurt you with that blow, with that punch. <laughs> so I, I do worry for them away, away at the Etihad. I think they will go toe-to-toe with them. I, I think that that is the way he has gone about his managerial career, and I, I don't think he's one to change. I think they will go toe-to-toe, and you know, if they win or lose, he'll just wipe his nose and go, well, you know what, we're still, you know, it's a gimme it's it's for them, isn't it, this it weekend? Is. Because is, just yeah. go and enjoy it, toe-to-toe yeah. them. Let's see what happens. And if we no get an early goal... no one holds Man City. Like, no one holds them. Huddersfield yeah. couldn't yeah. hold them. And they went 100 people at the back. I yeah. think that's the worst thing you can do, Tom. <laughs> I, th- I honestly think it's the worst thing you can do is go and just sit there and sit back against a team like that because they've got that much talent in their side. They will open up 
the best teams in the world, let alone your Fulhams or your Huddersfields. Absolutely. And obviously, when you're a player and you've been playing that way for a whole season, you got up, you're, you're up there now, you're like fourth best in terms of possession stats, you're not going to suddenly go, you know what, we're going to play Route 1 and complete each place. We're like, well, <laughs> hang on, that's why you've signed me, right? That's why mm. Sherla's in the team and everyone else is to play that way. So yeah. I think it will be a real you know, game between two similar philosophies. I think it will be a great game, but I, yeah. City, City have just got the better, yeah. better players. Uh, you mentioned Mitrovic there. There is a couple of players that I think could go on to become real top quality with, with Fulham. One is Jean-Michel Serrien, a guy you mentioned earlier, got hawked around a lot to clubs during mm. the summer and, and pitched up at Fulham and also I wonder whether Ryan Sessegnon gets in the side he played for the under 21s in Latvia a few days ago uh, played that game but he has been on the bench for Fulham do you think we see both these guys I want to see these guys up against the best I want to see them play in front of Pep Guardiola so he shouts at them and says he could have done better like he did to was it Redmond last year yeah, Redmond yeah yeah, I think possibly I mean, Sessegnon's been one of the, the most exciting talents for a number of years now a um, lot of clubs been looking at him Fulham managed to keep hold of him. Probably the only reason why, because he got promotion into the into the Premier League. I think if they hadn't done last year, you would have seen him playing for a different club. Um, Mitrovic, I mean, he's he's been that missing piece for Fulham. I think they're the reason why they are in the Premier League now. What happened between him and Rafa Benitez? He'd be in that Newcastle team when he's better than Jocelyn, he's better than Solomon Rondon. Yeah, I, I think, do you know what? I think sometimes you get certain characters at, at football clubs some people need an arm around the shoulder. Mitrovic to me seems like one of these people that if you say something to him, that's it. You know, he won't do anything. He won't try a leg. But if you get someone that puts the arms and you give him the love and the cuddles that he needs and he's in the right environment, he will thrive. And that's what he's done at well, Fulham. Jakanovic is from the same country as him. There's probably a bit of a relationship there as well. They're quite similar characters yeah. as well, I think. Yeah. Like Rafa, I'm not sure. Hmm. Exactly. He's not a cuddly man, is he? He looks cuddly, but probably isn't. I needed cuddles. Did you? <laughs> No one's ever cuddled me, you know, at work. No one ever has, uh, but it's the world we live in, guys. Uh, listen, we've got to move on. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers, their first Premier League win two weeks ago. It's Burnley this weekend. That's up next. Right, let's talk about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Victory over West Ham in their last game in the Premier League before the break. Great win for them, but uh, at home, uh, they have struggled so far this season. Tough opposition, to be fair, uh, Everton and Manchester City, but they haven't got their first victory at the voracious... Molyneux, so great has the atmosphere been there. Uh, and I think this weekend, it could certainly be their weekend up against Burnley. Let's talk about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, David Collins, let's come to you first on this, because um, I don't think they played West Ham off the park in the last game. I think that's been said a lot. They do certainly dominated the ball, didn't create a great deal of chances. It was a, it was a classic nil-nil. But what they did is something you often see top teams do, and that's in the 60th, 70th minute. They turn them out on their bench and they go, who can change the game for us here? And they had that in Adama Traore. They've got the the squad of last season, but they've also brought in those explosive players from the bench. And I think this could be the first time this season we see Wolves not only dominate the football as they have in certain moments of games, but also get a big win as well. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they changed formation. They played a, a three uh, against Man City, try and combat them, which fell into a five, but they still enough pace on the break to go and trouble them. In goal, Rui Patricio is outstanding. Oh, he, made, yeah. he made one absolutely unbelievable stop. I think it was from Raheem Sterling, I think, mm. off the top of my head. Um, and they've got the crowd behind them. That place was rocking. Molyneux was buzzing, mm. and it looks magnificent. All, all corners of it now. It's a great stadium. It really is. So I think they're going against a Burnley side who um, look, they did look poor 
in Europa League when it came to to the end. Um, they didn't really have a, a plan B. Their away performances were woeful, and they've really struggled. And um, I think this will be a game that Wolves will be thinking, you know, at home we can take three points here, and, and I wouldn't put it past them because they've got a, a similar way of playing. They spent an awful lot of money to try and compete up there and I think they will I think Do- this is an important go- a game for Burnley because they, they can kind of put the start to the season behind them now the Europa League's gone mm. the bad start to the season the Premier League's gone we've had the international break we're all back we go again yeah, uh, the only thing I'd say is when, when you've played in Europe if you get to play in Europe as a player it's an experience it's brilliant so Jack Cork will look back on that yeah. campaign and think you know what a wonderful experience for me and the rest of the players and I'm sure they'll be better for it but still, they need to get back to their bread and butter, which served them so well. Vokes, for example, is a real handful. Barnes, you know, they are they are like your defender's worst nightmare. I'm sure if they play direct, mm. they'll be able to pick up something, you know, in terms of getting the ball into the box, being, going back to how Burnley had success. It's just, I don't know whether they'll, how much of the ball they'll get against Wolves. And Molyneux, it's yeah. an intimidating place to go these days. The place is rocking. Yeah, it is. I mean, from watching them last season in the Championship, I mean, they were better. Wolves were a better side than Newcastle or Brighton or anybody went up the season before. I mean, the way they played the game, the way they're switching of play, their wing-backs, I mean, they did play a three last, last year. Um, whether they go back to that uh, at the weekend, but They've added pace, like you said, power. And there's so much creativity in that midfield area. I, mm. I really do find it difficult that Burnley are going to come away with anything against Wolves at Molyneux. Let's move on to Bournemouth against Leicester. Three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Eddie Howe, did he sign the new contract? Is that signed officially? Certainly story came out that he was planning to sign a new contract at Bournemouth during the international break. Uh, and his team at home, it's funny, isn't it? The amount of times that... I think home advantage it gets a little bit discounted when you mm. don't have it. I think about West Ham games and, and the Emirates when they moved and things like that. But Bournemouth's home form lost just two of their last 12 in the Premier League, the Vitality. Six, uh, six wins and four draws. Some of those draws they probably should have lost. Uh, and it's, it's funny, every time I look at Bournemouth, we keep saying, we say it all the time, that squad looks like it should struggle. And they, and they win games, they play good football, they create chances. Is that just the quality of, of playing it in that small arena with players that, that maybe are, are better than that? I mean, what is it they keep doing? Well, I mean, Eddie Howe, I think, has done an excellent job there. I mean, you're talking about young English managers coming through. He has been probably one of the best for a number of years now. Um, you know, he's assembled a squad there that's exciting. Uh, he's got a style of play that he wants to play there at Bournemouth. Uh, and they've got the characters because they are the comeback kings. I mean, mm. they, the game is never over. Even when they're 2-0 down, they've got that capacity to come back because of the flair, because of the pace, because of the desire that has been installed into that group of players. It's funny looking at some of the veterans, isn't it? Like People like Simon Francis, people like Steve Cook. And start of this season, I remember doing a show and I was thinking, surely these blokes can't do it for another year. And I'd say those two... Uh, probably been their best two players in the opening few weeks. Certainly at West Ham, certainly against Chelsea. I thought they were both very, very good as well. But I think myself and Dave will know how important it is to have those experienced players in and around that youth uh, and enthusiasm that you have. That they're the ones out there that keeps that ticking, keeps that discipline. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's had a, a tricky patch as well last season, Eddie Howe. But he, he's come through it. He'll be better for that. They're, they're really solid too, aren't they? Him and Jason Tindall. They've obviously got the likes of Ryan Fraser. Went out on loan, he's come back, who's, who's now like thriving there. Mm. Brooks as well, for example. And I think what he's done is, again, he's sort of, uh, the squad has evolved. You know, so maybe, you know, your Harry Arters now, you know, are maybe moving on and he's, he's evolving yeah. that squad. Maybe the older players are, are gone out the side, your Defoe's and, and, and people like that. And he's maybe, I, I just think he's, it's always a work in progress 
I think with Eddie Howe. Yeah. And I think to keep them in that league year after year has just been an incredible achievement. Uh, Leicester or England B, as I like to think of them, are the visitors uh, this weekend. Uh, and just briefly, a quick word for, for, for Ben Chilwell, who made his debut uh, this weekend for England. I love the way he ran out, like he, uh, you know, I mean, there was uh, there's pushing your chest out metaphorically, and then quite literally pushing your chest out. It was incredible. Uh, great moment for him, and, and Leicester being looked at by the national team, which which is only right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got some fantastic players. I mean, they, they have for a number of years now. Um, you know, they're an exciting team. I think it's. I think they'll go to Bournemouth and get a result I really do uh, tomorrow I, I just think they've they've got a bit more balance they've got a bit more discipline a bit more ruggedness about them to be able to go to Bournemouth and pull out a victory there um, but Ben Chilwell he's one of these players that I've admired for quite a while now you know he's your your box to box full back with quality got a goal in him mm. got a great delivery um, you know he's been brought up well with the environment uh, in and around Leicester and you know, he's one of these players that I'm sure get more and more England caps over the next couple of seasons. Mm. I think he benefited from that that loan at Huddersfield for sure. I saw him in a championship; he was excellent. Linked with Liverpool, and almost they've got two teams now. Leicester. I yeah. saw him against Fleetwood with basically eight eight changes. Fuchs and All Brighton were like their Premier League winning pairing down that left hand side. Hazal's coming for Mares. The only thing they lack is when Vardy's not. They don't have a number nine. No. So they had Gray up there. That that wasn't working. Okazaki didn't work without Vardy. They're toothless, so they're so reliant on him. Obviously, if he keeps getting red cards, then it's going to be an issue. But... <laughs> uh, we've got to move on. Chelsea against Cardiff, also at 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea have won their opening four Premier League games. I've got, I've got a question about, about, yeah, about Chelsea. We've, we've started off the season with everyone saying it's a two-horse race. Man City, Liverpool, I know Watford have won mm. the four games as well. But why are Chelsea not being talked up more as a genuine title contender? Because they, they played David Luiz, centre-half. Yeah, but they've, they've, they've looked really good, I think, and they've got the players there. Hey, look, I mean, Chelsea for me are always one of these teams, no matter what other people may think, they've got enough quality, you know, in that that squad of players uh, to challenge and go and even go on and win uh, the Premier League. We've seen it in years, you know, Leicester can go and do it, you know, with a lesser side. Why can't Chelsea with the superstars that they've got? I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why, I'll answer this for you, right? Because if you're going to win the league, you need someone to have a stratospheric season. I'm thinking about Vardy and Mahrez, yep. who, had, who had great seasons. The assist numbers, the goal numbers, sky high. Uh, Man City last season, thinking about Kevin De Bruyne. Put him in the top three or four players in world football. I'm thinking about when Van Persie went to Man United that one season and scored 30 goals. It was incredible. And it goes and goes and goes. Um, Eden Hazard is the guy they look to. And Eden Hazard, for me, though he's a great player, world-class talent, he's not in that bracket. He's not had the season that puts him in that bracket the way Mo Salah did last season, scoring whatever he did. If they're going to win it, they need he's done Eden it Hazard. He's done that before. Yeah. He, he did do it, but he didn't have and a 40-goal season. And started off quite season. well. You need to give him... Oh, Pedro, give me a break. Hey, he could come up with 40. <laughs> if, I, think you've got to, I think if you're Chelsea, you have the one guy. The one guy's got to have a Salah season, and he hasn't had it yet. He might do it, he'd have to do it, but... He just seems a bit blasé about it all. Well, because I feel they lack a nine. That Morata to me is their Shevchenko. I'm. I won't be dissuaded on I that. I thought Shevchenko was Chelsea Shevchenko. Well, <laughs> has he been given enough time? Has he been given enough game time though? He has. To me, he has. He's just not the nine. If they had Costa, I would put him down as they're going to win the league. As it is, Sarri came in. I think a season too late or six months too late look his, his methods are working if they're out passing Man City they're up there they've got World Cup winners in their but team but they have played mm. Huddersfield look, they've got, and well, Bournemouth it doesn't I mean, matter if you you've got to beat what's Newca- in front of you Newcastle didn't want to touch the ball uh, 
I, come the end of the season, come a few more tough games, they'll be back where they belong. About Look, there's no table. way that you're in that dressing room and you've got Kante coming in, Giroud, World Cup winners. Yeah. Kante they, the right winger these days. They are not going to have it. They are going to have such an impact on that side. Giroud, Kante. If that Jorginho, who City wanted, I just yeah. think they're just missing that nine. Mm. If they had a nine, I think they would be definitely considered as, as title contenders. Think we've still got a chance, Dave, me and you? <laughs> <laughs> you might <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a bit about Cardiff a little bit of course against Arsenal it, it was a high intensity performance they scored a couple of goals uh, as well Dave they're going to they're touch the ball this weekend well, I don't think they'll touch it much and they'll be quite happy about that that's not their game and mm. it's it, it, like we were saying earlier on for Fulham in slightly different circumstances this is a gimme for them this is, if they get anything from it it's a bonus but they've got to do better at home against winnable opposition which so far they haven't been able to do. Yeah, I think Neil knows that, you know, going to Stamford Bridge, it's going to be a, a tough task. Um, he knows what games are important to him this season, if they're going to give themselves a chance of staying up. Uh, if they come out of a point, fantastic. I mean, I think they'll be putting more emphasis on what they can get out of set pieces more than what they can get out of free play. Yeah. I think the other thing to say to him, what yep. was telling is Neil Warnock saying, why didn't um, Tammy Abraham come? So he wanted to take Tammy Abraham on loan. And to me, Chelsea have gone, you know what? He might be better in the championship, scoring goals and going up in Valley rather than going to Cardiff, struggling at the bottom. Yeah. And his va- and like he's actually... Swansea. Exactly. Yeah, and, his, yeah. and, and his value going down. And I think that's telling because it, if maybe if it wasn't Neil Warnock, and if it was a different manager in a different club, I think I think he would have gone to yeah. the Premier League. That's very interesting. Uh, let's move on, though, to Huddersfield against Crystal Palace. Speaking about managers, uh, this is incredible about this. I think David Wagner has been massively undersold by the hierarchy at, at uh, Huddersfield. After what he did last year, given no money to spend, I think they've really sold him short. Uh, Wagner has the worst goals per game record of any manager in the Premier League to have taken charge of 30-plus games. His teams have scored 0.71 goals per game. No one has got worse than that who's been in charge of more than 30 games. And what else can he do? What else can David Wagner do? And I don't just mean that with regards to the players he's got, but is there anything else in the locker? Well, I think it's the style that he's playing. And, and I've listened to a lot of the fans uh, back, uh, back home in West Yorkshire. And, you know, there's no way they want him sacked. But what they do want is to be a little bit more adventurous and a bit more creative uh, in that final third. Is he capable? Ra- rather than just stay... Well, that's the thing. Can he change his philosophy? Can he change the way he is in certain games and say, do you know what, lads? We'll go back to the Man City game. Instead of sitting back, that's a game where you just go, do you know what, fellas? Get yourself out there. Go and enjoy it. Let's see what happens. Take the game to them as well. But at home against certain teams, he's been too defensive. You know, they do have attacking players. They've bought attacking players, wide areas and centre forwards. But you've got to start winning games. And you've got to start winning them, not just by one nils. You know, you've got to really take a game to him. And that's the frustration that's been happening in West Yorkshire and the Huddersfield fans is, you know, do we get rid of the manager? Well, no, because he's done an absolutely fantastic job. Maybe the, the manager needs to take the, the leashes and the reins off the forwards and allow them to go and express themselves in that final third. Because at the minute, it just seems a little bit too disciplined and regimental that you can only get to a certain place and you've got to stop being creative. When you're a player, how hard is that to do when you're used to playing in a certain style? If the manager suddenly says, right, lads, we're going to abandon our usual plan, we're going to do this how hard is it to change it's very difficult and I think you, you know that's borne out if they haven't scored in 23 games mm. out of 40 I mean how disheartening is that for the team they know they're so reliant on their defence look to me end of season they'll be relegated Terence Congolo will probably go to a better side because at the minute he's doing really really well Moy probably the same there's too much reliance on them keeping it tight yeah. at the back and the problem with that is when every team spends 100 million as they have done and the quality keeps improving in the Premier League they're just up they're fighting a losing battle to me 
Yeah. Uh, got to get something against Crystal Palace, you feel, this weekend. Two bits of good news, though, for Crystal Palace. Uh, Wilfred Zahar should be fit. Christian Benteke might be injured. So that's good news <laughs> uh, for Crystal Palace. Uh, let's move on uh, to the one game we've not mentioned this weekend. It is Monday night football, Southampton up against Brighton. Uh, Mark Hughes looking to win back-to-back Premier League games for the first time since January 2017 uh, when he did it while he was Stoke City manager. Um, have they made any improvements, Southampton, Dave, on your former teams? Have they looked any better this season than last? Yeah, I think they have. I, I feel that, you know, they've. Um, Danny Ings, I think, is a really good signing. I think he's given them that little bit of spark. They've always struggled up top uh, to score goals and to keep their players fit. Um, su- surprisingly, you know, the likes of Tadic, for example, moving on, maybe they feel that, you know, again, it's a club that's evolving. Not all of their signings have always worked out. You know, mm. a lot of them haven't, but they've, they've always made really good profits on players. I think that is a club, I think Mark Hughes, he suits it. I really do. And he's, but he's going up against a, a very organised, very tactically astute manager in, in um, Chris Hewton. Mm. They play very dogged, disciplined, arguably not much of a goal threat going the other way. So I think it's a challenge to try and break them down. It'll be a good battle on the South Coast. And I've got to ask you about Glenn Murray now. He's got to be a man after your own <laughs> heart. Veteran striker. Yeah. Losing it off the top. Perfect combination. Very much the modern day Noel Whelan. Um, four goals in five league starts at Brighton against Southampton. Scoring goals again the last game against Fulham. Just keeps doing it at 35. Yeah, he does. He's, uh, he's one of these players that you'd, you'd want to have in your team. He's such an honest player. He'll bring people into play. He's so dangerous in the box. But he, once again, you go back to that good old-fashioned English centre-forward. He's aggressive. He lets you know when he's going up for a header, he lets you know you're in a game for 90 minutes. And he's a, he's got such a talent in and around that, that box, that six-yard box. For such a big fella, you know, he's got a turn on him. He's got a trick in him. He's pretty much your, your overall striker when you look at it. I know he's 35, but you get him back when he was, you know, in his prime. Mm. And he's got height. He's got strength. He's good in the air. He's good on the deck. He brings people into play. And he's good in and around that six-yard box. He scores all kinds of goals. You know, who would not want him? But at the minute, I mean, he's leading the way, isn't he? I mean, he's shown the, the, the direction and, you know, what it takes, you know, to keep yourself in this Premier League. He's enjoying life. And why not? At 35, scoring goals in the Premier League still? It's like a dream. Yeah, it's a great story. Playing fantastically well on Monday night football should be pretty decent uh, as well. Listen, we're out of time uh, for this week. No, great to have you down. Thank you very much indeed. DC, as ever, great to see you. David Walker, when West Ham win this weekend, should we meet up and party? Should we have a celebration? Should we do something? I mean, I'd love to. You know, it's been like, it's gonna you know, it's been like 125 days, I think, as we record the programme since Not West Ham last counting. got a point. I know. You're playing Macclesfield in a few weeks, though. Yeah, but we so. don't get a point in those games. <laughs> we beat Wimbledon, but it doesn't count for points. It's been so long. Uh, right, Dave, thanks as ever. Have a great weekend, everybody. Listen, if you are listening to this programme on a radio station, I know many people are, you can download an extended podcast. Search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes, whatever you use, and you get a longer version of this show. Who wouldn't want that? Uh, right, that's the show this week. We'll see you next time. Ta-da. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.